So um, we've just been to America, we've been to LA for the call, Azusa, and I'll give you some update from my end. I've got some pictures and things I'm going to show, but I asked my wife to share because I feel, um, uh, uh, as you would hear from my account, I was actually on the platform for quite some time, and I couldn't hear as much on the platform as what was going on. And I was actually very much aware of a lot of the behind the scenes, what was going on behind the scenes. So I actually missed out on some things going on because I was just very intrigued by all the interactions going on. You know, um, yeah, because trust me, it's a lot of work <laughs> uh, trying to organize a prayer meeting with all these big name prayer people and all the leaders and this person coming on, that person coming on, cutting this off the program. This, that, it, it was just intriguing just to be there and just watch. So um, uh, there were some things that Becky shared with me. I was like, oh, I didn't actually, I didn't hear that. I missed some of that. So I thought it was just good for my wife to share a bit of her perspective on, uh, you know, what happened uh, in LA and uh, just what God did in her. So yeah, over to you, Becky. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the warm welcome again. Um, so, so yeah, I think I don't really have so much an account of everything that happened. I think if you go on God TV's website, you could probably get, you could probably replay it. But because um, I, I was thinking, I was like, well, if, I, if I'm listening to someone who's been there, what would I ask them? Would I ask them everything that happened? Or would I ask them, what was it like? What was it like? What, what was Bill Johnson like? <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, I would, I would say, I would say, what was it like? What did it feel? What did you notice about the leaders and the people that happened? I think, I think uh, it was a, it's amazing for us because we, we went there, obviously with a heart to seek God and pray and encounter this amazing meeting that we feel like we're called to be part of putting together in this nation. So, I think we really went there, kind of selfishly to glean and learn. But uh, which is a which is a great thing because I think I think it's really important to honour that that's gone before you, because really when when you're doing something that's been done before, you can either start from scratch or you can learn from other people, which is really standing on their shoulders, but in your own way, you yourself and you're functioning in your own anointing, but you're learning from what's gone before you, so you can uniquely be yourself, but also know what works and what doesn't for you or for them as well, because, you know, they can be very open. Uh, I loved what Lou Engel said at the beginning. He said, um, the day before we were in uh, the leadership meeting, where mostly leaders, I mean, leaders from across the world, but probably mostly from the US. So it was probably about 200, maybe more. Um, just amazing people. I was like, there's Heidi Baker. There's Bill Johnson. There's Mike Bickle. Where's Misty Edwards? <laughs> <laughs> there's Jay Thomas <laughs> but uh, Eddie James stayed next door to us in the hotel I was a little bit like Eddie and he kind of looked at me like who are you <laughs> and then and I was like James's wife <laughs> yeah he does know me I'm just I'm just playing but he's a he's amazing amazing guy um but I forgot what I was saying now because I made a joke <laughs> but yeah in 
I noticed, I noticed, I loved what um, Lou Engel said at the beginning. He said, he said, please have grace on us. You know, there may be times where you're thinking, we should have stayed in that song longer. We should have done this. This wasn't right. This was, he said, please, I, he said, please just forgive me. Before the beginning of this, forgive me. I, and, um, and he said, you know, you know, for the sake of the Holy Spirit's agenda, some of us may have to put aside our slot on the stage, which I thought was really amazing to hear and uh, refreshing as well. Because, uh, you know, I, I think uh, as a leader, I think the pressure on him is to honor the people that he's invited and brought along. I can't imagine what it's like to get someone to fly from the other side of America and say, well, sorry, God's gone this way, but it's it's amazing the bravery it takes to actually say, actually I feel the Lord's going like this, and the, and you know you just have to be so humble to to know actually this 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 bigger picture is bigger than me, and uh, so yeah we we learned from that. That wasn't even in my notes, and I remembered it. So uh, yeah, we came back yesterday morning, so and they're like eight hours behind, behind. So we're ahead of them. So um, I don't know if I'm tired or hyper or both. So um, one of the things I, I really pondered on was the significance of the 90,000. I mean, I don't know how many were there, but I know over 110,000 booked in. So let's just say, let's just say 90,000 showed up for the sake of I don't know. So the, I think a lot of people put a lot of emphasis on the people on the stage. Yes, there were some significant people on the stage, um, especially in the prayer movement, in people like Todd White, Bethel were there. But I think, I think what what we don't realise is the significance of the volunteers that were there, the significance of the givers that gave into this movement, the significance of the intercessors that came. And when I say intercessors. We're all called to be it. Okay, just so just so we have a mindset. Every time I say intercessor, I mean a person, um, which is what we're all called to be, a person that intercedes. So the intercessors that showed up, the 90,000, I think, I think um, the reason, one of the reasons why is we, we actually bumped into a few people that we've never met before, and they were saying, oh, you're, you're James and Becky, you're prayer storm. They just recognize us, and we're like, we're not Eddie James. <laughs> so, but the, th- but the thing is, you've got, you've got to realize that, you know, the sacrificial givers behind this movement are the people that are impacting those people that recognize us across the world who have been impacted by our ministry. So, so yeah, we, we, we are laying down our lives and doing our giftings. James is speaking, I'm leading worship, but the, but, there is no difference between that sacrifice and the people who are giving, the people who are volunteering behind this movement. Um, gosh, I should have done the offering. So, um, so there is no, there is a. I don't like talking in front of people, so I probably won't do an offering. But, um, but you never know. But, um, but the thing is, when when I, I'm just struck by 
we met quite a few people who were like, oh, you're doing press on, I've watched everything online, but the people, you even showing up and praying is adding and cultivating what is coming out of prayer storm. The fact that you're even showing up, the fact that you're giving, the fact that you're praying, the fact that you're worshiping with us, honoring what we, what we have here, which is no different from anyone else's anointing, but special because everything is special. Uh, which brings me to my next point, um, which I noticed that, um, what I noticed particularly, pretty much about everyone actually, there was just so much honor to everyone. When, when I came al- among these leaders, were, so, so there were a lot of leaders, but one thing that I noticed, I noticed two things about the leaders like Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker, Jay Thomas, Eddie James, all these people that I would recognize, Mike Bickle, um, the people that we really look up to in our lives. I really, the, the thing that I really noticed about them, there was, there was this purity and there was this humility and honor. So when, so the thing is, what they have at Bethel is really special and I really think a big thing of it is the fact that they honor each other. They honor each other's anointings. They, from a small child to an adult, um, you saw on stage, um, it wasn't just Bethel, it was the other leaders, Heidi Baker, they honored. We, we went and talked to people like Heidi Baker and they were just excited to be there and just so like, oh, God's doing an amazing thing. And, um, and, they, and sometimes you get this thought of, oh, they're probably not gonna wanna talk to me, but, but the thing is, when you go to them, they're just like, they're just so eager to talk to you, so eager to give in to you. And I think, I think there's a culture that they have in America that we really need here of honor, where, where I, I honor. Do, do you know, if, for example, so, so the, here's a really good example. So James, I, in our marriage, I notice we live in like this prophetic whirlwind of God speaks, something happens. There's a, there's a prophetic word, there's a prophetic dream. And it's not because we're particularly gifted. Uh, I really feel like actually it's massively due to the honor that James puts on it. Like, for example, the, when James will ask me to pray for him, he'll come expectant of a word and he'll get one. Like about a couple of weeks ago, he came up to me and he said, and he said, Becky, I'm just feeling so burdened by this. I really need to hear from God. Will you pray for me? So I'm not kidding. I was just sat on the sofa. He got, he got on his knees and just, I laid hands on him and prayed for him. Straight away, I got a vision for him that was so spot on, that spoke to him immediately, that just got this, bur- lift, the burden just totally lifted. And it wasn't because of my anointing to have visions or prophesy. It was because of, it was because his ability to honor what my ability to hear from God. And it's not that mine is any different from anyone else's, but he comes with expectancy. Like when, um, like when James speaks, he'll, he'll go to a meeting. You can, I can massively tell a difference of when, of when uh, there is like a drawing from him. There's like an honoring of what's there and you'll see that more comes out of James, so much revelation, whereas he'll go somewhere else where he isn't received as well and not as much comes out. I guess it's like when Jesus in the Bible went to different places and he couldn't perform miracles 
um, I, really, I really felt that about Azusa, the leadership and the people that came, there was this expectancy. And you know what happened? Three people got out of wheelchairs, three people that I know of, no, maybe four, probably a lot more actually, their ears were open, deafness. You could see, <clears throat> in fact, I shared one of them on Facebook, maybe two. Um, one of the wheelchair, one of this girl just, you could see, you could see um, she was smiling, but you could see she'd just been weeping because of the joy that she had. People are just going expectant. And um, I know that I'm not particularly saying an account of everything that's happened, but I really feel like there's something here that needs to apply to us. And, you know, you know, I found that even, I know I talk about Bethel a lot, but Bethel is a church of so many significant ministries that I've seen. The worship's amazing. So they've got some of the world's most amazing preachers, but I don't necessarily think that it's because they've got so much gifting that that's happened. I think that there is just so much honor towards one another. So it doesn't matter whether you're here, whether you're at your local church. I really feel like if we, if we just get this concept of honor, I really feel like we're going to draw things out of other people. And, and there isn't, there isn't I, think, I think a lot of the time, something that stunts honor and something that stunts growth, growth is insecurity, jealousy, fear, and I think, I think that there's also a, a looking down on other people, which is a really a shame because the, there shouldn't be one person on this earth we look down at. I mean, I mean, I'm guilty of it sometimes. I'm like, oh, that person's a little bit weird. I'll stay away from them. But, <laughs> and, um, and I, I mean, sometimes you've got to be wise and discern people's motives. But you've got you've to learn to honor the, the small and the big things in people and treat everything as a big deal. Because I really, I really believe that, that, that this culture, I guess it's so embedded in this culture, we lack honor for our leadership down to the ground, the ground up, isn't it? I guess um, I wouldn't say I particularly support a particular party, but I honor my president, not president, been in America. My, I honor my prime minister because God gives authority to people. It says that in the Bible, God, God gives authority to man and we have to give honor where it's due. We may not agree with everyone. And sometimes, honestly, I personally, when I come to it, I, I try to vote for the lesser of the evils within the party and it's difficult and I don't feel like there's someone I can really get behind. But actually, I should really get behind whoever is voted into parliament. We should be completely honouring, especially in our mouths. I think, I think the thing that really kills people and kills ministries and kills things is the tongue. Because actually... What has the power of life and death? It's the tongue, isn't it? And I think, I think there really needs to become a check on our tongues. I mean, I mean, you you know the thoughts that the thoughts that come into your head, negative thoughts. You know, the way to nurture them is to a take them as your own thoughts and nurture it in your head, and b release it with your tongue. So I think I think you know, for example, something really subtle. Let's say jealousy let's say I'm jealous of Lisa incredible singer she's like oh she's so good she like makes me melt and it's hard to concentrate but she's but let, let's say if I had a jealous thought towards Lisa like I don't let let's say I don't want her to sing that song everyone will think she's great or let's say 
oh, she's amazing and I'm so rubbish or let's say she's anointed and, and my little anointing over here. What, what you've got to think is, that's not my thought. That's not who I am. That's not me. That's from hell. That's a spirit. That's a wrong spirit. And I, and I, don't, I don't accept that. Me personally... I don't, I don't have an issue with jealousy because I recognize that jealousy isn't me. It's not from me. It's not from heaven. It's from, from hell. It's from a spirit. So, when, so, so let's, say, let's say if I have these thoughts, I'm like, um, no, Lisa is amazing. Yeah, but I'm amazing too. And, <laughs> and that's not a big-headed thing. Every, you've got to think of, actually, God's anointed Lisa. God's anointed me. God's anointed you. God's anointed, hey mom. <laughs> Didn't see you there. But um, first time my mom's seen me speak. <laughs> but um, but I, I, really, I really do believe that, you know, it doesn't take much to honor. I can turn around and I, what I do is, when, when you get these thoughts, you voice life you don't voice death you say that is not my thought I rebuke that thought I reject that thought I love Lisa and I react in a positive spirit and give her a song to sing or something go and go and listen to her sing and get totally blasted and blessed so let's see what else I've written down actually most of what I've said isn't written down (laughs) do you know um there was oh hello there was um there was a part of uh, there was a there were a few parts of a meeting that were about healing um, of the races and forgiveness and um, and I think I think that was so significant and uh, something that Lou Engel who led the Azusa now he was very honest about was I had an issue with a leader and I needed to sort that out with him in order to make this heal. He, pardon me, healing process happen, and he was an African American man. I don't think it was a racist issue, but um, he had to he had to sort out his differences. But once he'd forgiven and and asked for forgiveness from that leader and repented, that leader then uh, reminded him of a dream that was very much about um, what happened. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was a massive part. Of the every of Azusa now and everything that happened and and uh, when it was supposed to be, I think the date and um, and I think I think in order, you know, I'm I'm actually sharing these things because I feel like this is something as a community we need to take in as a nation we need to take in because I think these are key points that actually we need for ourselves, our churches, we need for our nation in order to move on and mature as the church in order to come together. There's a there's something very important about forgiveness because it unites people. Um, I think I think I I have. Um, I've, I've often, which is really a shame, found it found it funny when people have fallen out or or come into unforgiveness, and I'm and I've almost excused it in some cases. But actually, it doesn't matter. The worst things can happen, but you always have to forgive. If you want, if it, if we really want this nation changed, if you if you see if you read the Chronicles seven fourteen, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. I will forgive their sins. 
What, what is the one thing that stops forgiveness of sins? It's unforgiveness. And I think that I've, I've seen, it, it's, been, it's been very sad that I've seen in friends, in leaders, and in many people, unforgiveness, grudges. There's never an excuse to hold a grudge. Not when we've been forgiven much. Our sins are all the same. They're all disgusting. We've done terrible things, but God is so gracious and forgives us all. We have no excuse. We, 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 the most unthinkable things can happen, but we have to forgive. And a lot of people say, say, you know, forgiveness, unforgiveness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. It's true, but that shouldn't just be our motivation. Actually, the motivation of forgiveness is we have a savior that forgives. And also we have a nation that needs forgiveness. And I can let go of my little grudges to see a nation change. And, um, you know, maybe right now you need to kind of think about that and take note of even little grudges. Maybe you need to send a text, make a phone call, Facebook someone, Twitter someone, Snapchat, all the things that kids use these days. But, um, but it's, a, it's a really important thing, and I really feel as a community, we really need to move in forgiveness and grace for one another. And, you know, if I've ever offended you, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm serious. I'm saying it in jest, but actually, um, if, I've, if I've ever done something knowingly, unknowingly, in my immaturity, forgive me, please release me, let me go, <laughs> because I want to see revival in this nation. So, um, so another thing that I, um, I noticed, well, there's two things, let's see, how should I say this? So, I, I was really blessed by the fact there was an amazing evangelist there called Todd White, and I watched him. Woo! <laughs> so he's he's amazing evangelist through and through, hardcore evangelist, moves in just supernatural signs and wonders, miracles. I remember me and James were like, whoo, he's brave, because we, I think, was it him with Brian Welch? And he said, come over, come over here, give your life to Jesus, and you'll be healed. James was like, that was brave. <laughs> And we were kind of like, oh, would we have the faith for that? And then I, and then I was like, yeah. <laughs> but but um, anyway, I'm, I won't go into that. Yes, I do have the faith. Amen. We'll raise the dead, babe. Me and you, we're going to raise the dead. So, um, so, uh, so Todd White, he is a hardcore evangelist through and through. And what really blessed me was... Um, I looked at all these different evangelists and the and then the people from like House of Prayer, the Call, all these different as circuit riders who are evangelists, their DNA is prayer. Their every single evangelist, prophet, whatever was on the stage, they were so connected to prayer. And then and like I think I think it's a shame because we come to prayer meetings over here, it's hard to connect people for even ten minutes. But the fact that people like Todd White were on stage for fifteen hours praying. Crying yeah, he was crying his eyes out, praying, going, I'm so wrecked in the American accent. But um 
but the fact that it's so connected. I think, I think there needs to be almost like, <laughs> brainwashing is a bad word, but almost like resetting of our minds of what the prayer movement looks like over here. Because actually, we're all called to be evangelists, we're all called to prayer. So there needs to be this connection that is not just the prayer people, the evangelists. And I, I really see that there has been a shift where the evangelists are looking at the prayer people going, we need you. And the, and the prayer people are saying, we need you too. But there isn't like, but there's almost like, a, we need you to do our prayer for us. We need you to do our evangelism for us. And it can't be like that. It's got to be like, actually a really great example are my parents. So my dad is an evangelist and my mum's an intercessor, prophetess. <laughs> I'm from good stock, people. <laughs> so, um, but um, the amazing thing is my dad's an intercessor and my mum's an evangelist. They're both the, the best of all worlds. And it's an incredible, I think my parents' marriage is an incredible picture of what it should be. The evangelism movement and the prayer movement are now married and they're one. And that's how it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be one. And um, so that's that point done. And um, I think the last thing, hopefully, pray to God, the last thing is um, I was really blessed by um, a story. I already, I already knew this, but this, it was articulated in a way that kind of just struck me as, yeah. So... Um, Lou Engel, uh, who led Azusa now, uh, the call, he, uh, when he was young, he, he got a job mowing lawns. And do you know what he said? He said, oh, I'm a full-time paid intercessor. Because he mowed lawns all day, so he was able to intercede all day. He just prayed all day, all day mowing lawns. And I think... And I think um, if I wasn't doing what I'd done that, I, th I, was a, I thought this a while back, but it's really coming back to me and hitting me hard. If I wasn't doing prayer storm as, as a job, I would be a full-time evangelist at McDonald's or I would be a full-time prophet for a business somewhere making millions or something. That's not my gifting, but, you know, I can dream. But... Um, I really feel like we have to take our calling seriously wherever we are. It doesn't matter if you're in the, your dream job or you're not. You're, you're a full-time Christian. You're in full-time ministry, wherever you are. I mean, let's think. Daniel, he was in full-time ministry. He didn't, he, didn't work for, he didn't necessarily work for his favorite employee. He didn't work for what we would consider full-time ministry, but he had a full-time ministry. And you got, we've got to think in these kind of ways that actually, wherever I am, to infect, to infect the nation, as you know, it's, to affect the nation just like they did in Acts or as the disciples did, we've got to be wherever we are, being the people we're called to be. You can't just say, one day I'll be... And then that's when I'll do. 
actually you, your calling starts where you are every single day from when you're born. If you're in school, you are, you're a full-time intercessor evangelist in your school. If you're in McDonald's, you're a full-time evangelist in McDonald's. I think if I, if I wasn't called to what I was doing, I would probably go to McDonald's, pray, see people saved, then move on to Pizza Hut or something. And uh, that ends my point. <laughs> Wasn't that amazing? <laughs> That's incredible, Becky. That was awesome, awesome, awesome. That's so good. Well, I'm just going to add some more to that. Uh, and I realize some of you don't know what the call is. Any, does every, who doesn't know what the call is? Put your hand up. Anyone? Okay. I'll explain what the call is. So, um, the call is this prayer movement that put on the gathering that we went to in Los Angeles. Okay. The call has been going on since the year 2000. And uh, uh, Lou Engel is the guy who leads the call. And uh, he's just burning for revival. He's uh, one of those people that uh, you spend time with him and you just feel like you need to get saved. Because even though you're saved, you feel like just the, the, the passion, the abandonment to prayer, the heart for God, the amount of 40-day fast he goes on a year, you know, you just say, oh, God, <laughs> help me. You know, it's just so challenging and so stirring. So he's the guy who leads the call. Okay, so the call starts in the year 2000. And I wanted to give you a bit of prophetic history as to how that connects to prayer storm. Before I go into what I want to share about my take on the gathering we just came from. Um, the call, some of you heard me share this before, but you know what? It's good to share it again. I always like sharing it because it just stirs my faith for what God's doing here in the UK. Now, the call started in the year 2000. For three years before this year 2000, Lou and his team traveled the whole of America. They were praying and fasting, and he was gathering people together, like what we're doing right now. Uh, but maybe 1,000, 2,000 people, they'll meet for like two, three days, four days, five days on different parts of the country. And they'll gather together to fast and pray. And they, this was their prayer focus, just one prayer focus. God, fill the stadiums in America with fasting and prayer. That's all they focused on. For three years, traveled all around, praying, Lord, fill the stadiums in America. That was one of their main focuses. Well, obviously that happened. In the year 2000, they had their very first gathering. And guess what happened? For the very first core gathering, September 2nd, 2000, 400,000 people gathered together to fast and pray for 12 hours. 400. Before this, no one knew who Lou was. You know, it, it, this is what he says. He says, my prayer meeting overnight went from four to 400,000. <laughs> you know, it's awesome. It's, because you just got to be a person who's faithful when no one is seeing you don't understand the seeds you're sowing. And God is actually building the foundation for you to stand on the platform to call 400,000 and a whole nation to revival. But right now, no one knows your name. And you think you're insignificant. But heaven thinks you're significant. Because five years down the line, you're going to be leading a stadium gathering. And you didn't even have an idea about it. Now, why this is significant for me is the year 2000, no, 2007 was the first time I, can, I really connected, well, in terms of I was in the same meeting as Lou. Just like I went to this gathering, I went to another gathering in the year 2000 in Nashville, Tennessee. 70, 77,000 people in a stadium, 7707 was the date, 7th of July, 2007. I never forget that day because that was the day when I was in that stadium, the Lord said to me, I wasn't dreaming this. I didn't have an ambition to do this, what I'm doing right now. The Lord said to me, James, you'll mobilize like this for prayer in the UK. 
So I'm in a stadium with 77,000 people, and I feel the Lord said to me, you mobilize like this. Well, when he says like this, it means like this, stadium gatherings, okay? So I just know the Lord has spoken, and I wrote it down. A few years later, prayer storm started in the year 2009. I'm in my room, I'm asking the Lord, what do I call this prayer meeting? And he gave me the name prayer storm. The reason why this name is important is because it's prophetic, this name, Prayer Storm, is not just a nice name. It's prophetic. Because you know I told you about the three years of prayer that Lou and his team had across America? Those meetings were called Prayer Storm. The meeting that used to be called Prayer Storm transitioned and started to be called The Call. It transitioned from Prayer Storm to 400,000, The Call. And it's been called The Call since then. I am in The Call. And the Lord says, you mobilize like this for prayer in the UK. Two years later, he gave me the same name that that movement used to have, and I had, no, I had no idea about it. So the fact that this movement is called Prayer Storm, you know what that tells me? It's a prophetic picture of the fact that just like the prayer storms in America led to 400,000 gathering, the prayer storms in the UK is going to lead to hundreds of thousands gathering. There is no other way about this. God is prophesying this with a name. Because this is not an accident. I didn't just make this up. I've just stumbled. And I only just found this out about three years ago. I'm thinking, this is just crazy. Okay, so obviously the Lord connected my wife and I with Lou Engel. And um, the way I got connected with Lou was kind of funny. At 2013 it was. My wife was pregnant. And, um, you know, we know Rick Pino. Rick Pino's been, if you don't know Rick Pino, amazing worship leader guy. He's been to press him a few times. And I've known him, we've known him for a few years. So Rick Pino was in Manchester for one of our gatherings. And before this gathering, my wife said to me, uh, I was turning 30 in the year 2013. <laughs> um, she says to me, James, what do you want for your 30th birthday? Just for you to understand. I'm sharing this story so you understand where I'm coming from with this. Okay. My wife asked me, what do you want for your 30th birthday? And I said, you know what? I'm not really into presents. I don't want all that. You know, I don't want a party. I don't want a surprise. I don't want to. I said, what do you want? I said, you know what I want? If you can get me a phone call with Luingo, that's enough for my 30th birthday present. I'm just sharing that for you to understand that this guy was a big deal to everything I've been doing up until 2013. Press them had started, been doing this for a while. And I took a lot of inspiration from what I'd seen happen with him and the call. So I said, you know what? Just a conversation with Lou would be amazing. <laughs> that would be good. So Rick Pina was around. And, um, and uh, what happened uh, was um, he came to one of our gatherings. And he invited my wife and I to one of his gatherings. And we were like, oh, we're, we're planning to be at the ramp at that time. I don't think we can come. And then he was like, you know what? Lou Engle is going to be there. <laughs> And then my mother's like, great. <laughs> it's like, well, can you get, how, well, what did you say now? Yeah. <laughs> so, so he said, oh, Dutch Sheets, Lou Engel will be there. And I went, we'll come if you get James a conversation with Lou Engel. Yeah. Do you want me to finish or? No, I'll say the rest. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
So anyway, so we decided to go to America, not just to meet Lou, but to go to the ramp. So we went to the ramp, and then we went for Rick Pino's gatherings, where, where Lou was going to be. Okay. So uh, we're, before we left the ramp, went over to Lou. Becky is on the Preston Twitter feed, and she just thinks a prophetic thought. Wouldn't it be amazing if Lou just goes on the Preston feed and just sees what Preston is about before we meet him, and, you know, just randomly stumbles on it? Well, guess what happened? Like a day later, we're sat down together. We just get a tweet from Lou Engel at Preston. James, raise up a house of prayer in England. I'm like, he's just tweeted. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Something in, no, no, no. Rick, Rick Pino must have told him about prayer stone. That's why he's tweeted. And then he tweeted again. James, raise up a prayer, house of prayer that overthrows everything. Something like that. So, Ben and I are just stunned going, what on earth is going on? Anyway, so we get over to, so we're in Alabama at this point, And Luingo is in. Uh, is going to be in Austin, Texas with uh, Rick Pino. So we get over to Austin, Texas, Rick Pino's conference, everything's going on, you know, and all that. And uh, there is Lou, and, you know, Rick introduces me to Lou. So Rick says, oh, this is James, he leads prayer storm. You know what Lou said? So you're the guy! You're the James that leads prayer storm! He'd already found out about prayer storm and was already stirred about what we were doing, such that by the time we met, it was like a God connection because he was already stirred about what we are doing. So I'm just blown away thinking, oh, God, this is amazing. Anyway, so obviously since then, my wife and I have been very connected with Lou. Been over a few times, connected. He was in London. In fact, I was in Netherlands with him. He got me to speak. I spoke at a conference he was doing in London. Um, and uh, uh, this last October, my wife and I, no, actually, I went over to spend some time with him and his team. While I was there in um, this was in Los Angeles, my first time in Los Angeles. It was when, uh, again, the Lord started to stir me about the 40-day fast we just did in November, uh, sorry, in February. Was it February? Yes, February. And then uh, it was then I also started to hear a lot more about Azusa Now. Okay, so that's all to just lead you to this point, Azusa Now. The Azusa Now gathering was a vision that was stirred in Lou's heart. And, uh, you know, he is just burning for revival. He's just burning for God to move in the city, uh, in, in Los Angeles. And there's so much uh, 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 of what I loved when I was there in October was there was so much of, uh, I, I got this phrase from Lou. See, the Lord will not fasten our souls to a dead end vision. Just think about that. God will not fasten our souls to a dead end vision. Because it's burning in our hearts, it tells me it's real in his heart and he wants to see it come to pass. So I'm trying to say I connected myself to a community there. Fasting and prayer, they're staying in this place, Methodist building. I stayed there, prayer room, smaller than this room. You know, people were just praying there pretty much every day, you know, on 40-day fast. And I could see while I was there, I could see the, the engine room for what I've just come from, what my wife and I have just come from, Azusa now. You know, fastings and prayer, teenagers, young people, university students, older people, just meeting, just giving their hearts. By the way, not, just, not for an event, but for promises of God that has been spoken over Los Angeles. The, pr- the prayers and the fasting was not just a case of let's just pray and let's just fast. Now, it's okay. I believe in prayer and I believe in fasting. And there's something called the bridegroom fast where it's actually praying and seeking the Lord like Anna did in the New Testament. It talks about her who fasted and prayed in the temple, seeking the Lord out of the heart of just intimacy with God. But there's another dimension of seeking the Lord out of the heart of prophetic words that have been spoken. And you're coming to agreement with what God has said because you want to see those words manifest. Are you with me? 
It's kind of like, it's the kind of prayer where you come in partnership with heaven. It's, it's fasting and prayer that's, uh, that's uh, uh, informed by the prophetic. <laughs> I don't know how, how I was to articulate it. So when I'm in Los Angeles this last time, not this time, it just went, the one in October, I was very aware of a lot of the dreams, a lot of the prophetic words. You know, uh, 1906, some of you know about the Azusa Street Revival of 1906. Uh, uh, William Seymour, who led the Azusa Street Revival, um, uh, a black guy, and majority of the people that came were white people. You've got to understand how significant that was in 1906 in America. <laughs> You know, and he said, you know, the blood of Jesus has washed away the color line. And it was literally white people, I mean, you know, colored black people also came. But initially, at the start of the revival, it was just white people. And it was just all races, all colors, just mixing. And it was just so unusual. People were getting filled with the Spirit. It was just a crazy move of God. A lot of things happened that I don't want to go into right now. But the point I want to make is, during that revival, there was a prophetic word about a hundred years from that time, there was going to be a move of God that would impact the whole earth and will far, so, will far exceed what God did in Azusa. So William Seymour prophesied that. William Seymour's Bible school teacher on the other side of the country, Charles Parham, prophesied the same thing around the same time. In about 100 years from now, there'll be another move of God. And then there's another lady. I don't know if it's Amy Simple, McPherson, or, or Maria Woodward, either. one of the two also prophesied the exact same thing about another move of God around the same time. So I take all those prophetic words and add it with all these other dreams I don't have time to go into. Prophetic word after prophetic word after prophetic word. It just became clear that... April 9th, 2016 was going to be a significant time for people to gather together to fast and pray. That's what led to Azusa now. So myself and Rebecca, I went with Matthew Wilson, went over to this gathering just very aware of the significance of this movement. Now, um, Becky, I mean, Becky, uh, uh, Victoria, do you want to pull up the pictures? I want to just walk through a few, a few pictures. The first one. Okay, so this was the, uh, the, the day before the gathering. Um, and what I found very interesting, which Rebecca has already, my wife has already touched on, is the, the level of honoring unity and, and, and syner- lack of better word, synergy between different Christian notable ministries. Um, I was just blown away. So this was Lou addressing, I mean, I should have taken a picture of the whole crowd, maybe about 200 people, 200 leaders. Like Becky said, I'm surprised that room did not explode with the kind of anointing that was in that place. I'm like, you know, it's like everyone that was anyone was there. And he's just talking about the gathering the next day. Now, I was going to this gathering with an awareness that potentially I might be praying. So that's partly why we're there. There was an opportunity for us to lead some prayer at the gathering. And Lou had already said it. You know, the meetings, we just need to be open. That may happen. That may not happen. You know, so we were just really just ready for whatever the Lord wanted to do. And uh, at this gathering, he shared a lot about the story that led to Azusa now, which was very just encouraging to hear. Okay, so um, you can move to the next clip. Oh, sorry, I think that's him speaking. You can move on to the next one. Okay, so uh, this was uh, the Colosseum on April 9th, and this was, uh, the meeting started at 7 a.m., and this was like uh, around 6 in the morning. Do you want to move to the next clip? Okay, so this is us in the car, uh, uh, driving to the Colosseum, and the, 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 the place opens at 7 a.m., 20, and there's 20,000 people already queued up. 
So I'm just there commenting the fact that it's not even 7 a.m. And there's like thousands. The queue just went on forever. Just thousands and thousands. And you could just feel the hunger. You could just feel the expectation. And I'm going, Lord, I want to see this in the UK. Now, you've got to bear in mind no speakers were advertised. No worship team was advertised. No big names was advertised. Apart from the fact that we're gathering together to mark the 110th anniversary of Azusa now. Yeah, some people may have known that Bethel was going to be there. But the point is, nothing was advertised like, come in here, Bethel Band. Come in here, Rick Pino. Come in here, you know, Jesus Culture. Yeah, look at the thousands of people that showed up. So my question to you is, if that were to happen in the UK, how many people would show up? without no band being advertised, without nothing. And I'm looking at that just so challenged by the level of expectancy and hunger. Now, when I'm there, I'm thinking to myself, I am not, I know it's going to be a significant day, but I am more concerned about what happens after the day. Okay, so I was very stirred by the hunger, but I was also like, Lord, I know you want to do something today that's not just going to be about today. It's going to be about what happens after now. So I am not just saying, let's just have events. Let's just have big events. It's not about the events. It's about what the events are sparking in the hearts of the people of God. And these events are very significant in the heavens. Anyway, you can move on to the next thing. I don't know what's next. Okay, so this is me and Becky uh, in the empty stadium uh, just before the meeting starts. Next clip. And uh, so that was uh, right in front of the stage. This is where we sat. You know, so this is before seven. Uh, everyone is just kind of getting together. As you can see, you know, there's uh, uh, Bill Johnson and, and his wife and his team. And, you know, and everyone's just sat down, just getting ready for the meeting. Next clip. Or next. Okay, so this was on stage. Now, that was a significant moment uh, for me. Uh, you know the guy on there? That's Todd White. All I can say is when I meet certain people, I am just so stirred and thinking, Lord, this is who I want to be. Um, I've never met Todd White before apart from that day. But I remember we were singing this same song we sang here. Lord, make, in fact, that's the song we're singing in that moment. Rick Pino, was, uh, no, not Rick Pino, Eddie James, Make Me a House of Prayer. And he was just weeping. He was just turning to me like, I'm so wrecked. He was just weeping and just crying out to God. And you could just feel the love of God just coming out of him. He was just like the most amazing God-filled person you would ever meet. I've never met him before, but I was just so stirred by what he carried in God. And I'm just thinking, this is a person who is known as a full-on evangelist. Yet he's here on his knees just weeping and calling out to God. And I'm looking at the church in the UK saying, like just like my wife said, the divide between those who are activists and those who are so-called intercessors, that divide needs to shift, where the evangelists need to carry the heart of the intercessors, and the intercessors need to carry the heart of the evangelists. And what I saw there was a man who understood the significance of what was going on and was just wrecked. Heidi Baker was right behind me somewhere there, just laying on the floor, <laughs> just laid out. It's raining, by the way. Pouring it down rain, and the stage was also wet, and they're just lying on the floor, just, just wrecking God. Now, when you meet some of these people, you understand why God has raised them up. Don't ever look at someone on the platform and go, oh, I wish that was me. Well, are you ready to go through what they've gone through to be where they are? Because most times you don't know the backstory. You just see the glory, and you want the glory, but you don't want to go through all the difficult things. There's a lot that's gone through for that to happen. So I'm just 
interacting with these uh, uh, leaders, and I'm just amazed by the grace by the grace that they carry. You know, in just interacting with people, they were in like just humility, just such humility, just amazing. I'm saying, God, I want to be like that. I want to be humble. I just want to carry your spirit like that. You want to move to the next one, please? So just some more clips. Uh, Now, the way things worked is, you know, it's a a 15-hour prayer gathering. There's like hundreds of people that are involved on things on the platform. So like you have to be on the platform like an hour or two. Uh, Well, actually, I was on the platform for maybe about a couple hours, two, three hours, because they were running behind. Uh, So it was just interest. I was just so... Uh, intrigued by the interactions between Lou and, you know, the guys who were helping him out. You know, there's just multiple layers of assistance, you know, and all kinds of things. And yes, it's a, it's a meeting that's led by the Spirit, but they had a program they were going through as well. Things that they planned, they wanted to pray through. And I saw them agonizing, you know, and in fact, the leaders meeting the day before, I remember um, uh, uh, one of Lou's spiritual sons, uh, uh, Anyway, was, was saying on the platform how he'd seen how they'd really agonized in prayer before the Lord as to what to focus on on the day. So it wasn't just the case, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's pray into that. By the way, you can pray into a million things. But that doesn't mean that's the strategic thing for the hour. So I could tell there was a lot of energy and seeking the Lord that had gone into this. But right there on the platform, I was there hearing conversations about striking stuff out. Oh, we can't do that anymore now. We've got to move into this. So I'm just thinking, wow. Imagine, you know, like Becky said, it takes a lot of boldness. In fact, I remember this happened to us with Preston once where I invited someone to come and lead uh, or say something, and we stepped into this prophetic moment, and God was moving, and it was so powerful, and um, because I'd invited this person to come, I felt the pressure to get them on the platform, so you know what, I, without no, well, I knew what I was doing, but at the same time, I was, like, right now, I look back, and I'm still grieved about it, I had to pretty much stop what was going on just to get them to do what I invited them to do. And I, to this day, wonder what would have happened if I didn't stop that move of God in that moment because I wanted someone to say something. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's something about honoring the fact that you invited someone. But I love the flexibility of being aware of the fact that when God starts to move, things can change. And we need to be leaders that are big enough to put our crowns down. And I know itching for a platform so that everyone can see us. We're more concerned about God moving. And you know, that is one of the biggest things that has to die, even after the gathering. I remember Lou saying to, to us and some of the people at the thank you meeting afterwards, like, you know, we've probably offended a few hundred people. <laughs> because it was impossible to just accommodate every single person. And when you really want to go to where God wants you to go, you have to be okay for people not to be happy with you because you're not going to be able to please everyone. Jesus did not please everyone. He was the perfect man. So how much more we thinking we can please everyone? Some people will be offended by you and you need to be okay by that. You know what? This is a bit of a random tangent. <laughs> but Miles just said, I was in a meeting recently. A friend invited me to speak. And... Uh, uh, it was this meeting, there was probably about 15 to 25 people in there. And these, these people in this, they're all multi-millionaires. They're all like wealthy people. Oh so <laughs> this, this guy invited me to say something. Now, he does something with trafficking. So he shared a bit about trafficking and what he did and all that. And then he, I was thinking, Lord, how am I, and this is mostly non-Christians. I'm thinking, God, how am I going to communicate to them what I do? Anyway, he finished. It was up to me. And I just decided to speak 
for a short amount of time. So as I started speaking, the best way for me to connect the trafficking thing to what I did in my testimony, I said, you know, this guy has just talked about trafficking. That is a social problem right now across the world. We see that as a social problem. It's a big deal. And I said, actually, deeper than the social problem is a spiritual problem. So that was my way in of talking about the fact that the trafficking is not just a social problem, it's a spiritual problem. And then I talked about spiritual awakening and how God changed my life and all that stuff. Okay, really brief. I sat down. One of the multimillionaires there looked at the guy that I just spoke and said, I get you and I get what you're saying and I understand it. Then he turned to me and was like, angry face, you have offended me. How dare you imply that I am not a Christian? You have offended me. Well, the whole tone of the meeting changed at that point. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh God, just, just rapture right now. <laughs> but you know the interesting thing? I didn't say one word about him not being a Christian. I didn't say anything about... So I'm asking my friend... So I'm thinking, what did I, so I'm like, I'm sorry if I offended you, but I've not meant to do that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking, what have I done? And then it dawns on me, because I was feeling really down about what just happened. Oh, no, God, what's, what's all this? And I realized it was a clash of kingdoms that just went on right there. And there was a manifestation going on in him because he was being convicted, even though I said nothing wrong. The Holy Spirit was convicting him. And I remember Alan's story. Alan, I don't know if you remember, you told me how you got saved. How you used to watch God TV and watch that guy. And he used to annoy you, but you kept watching it. Is that right? <laughs> Alan used to watch this guy, Steve Hill, on God TV preach the gospel. He wasn't saved as a university student. And he, he watched this guy preaching and he would get annoyed. But still, he wouldn't turn the channel. He kept watching. You know why? Because he was being convicted and the Lord was drawing him in. So guess what? If you're going to do what God wants you to do, some people will get offended. You don't, you don't need to be afraid of it. I knew God was doing the work in that guy, and I've been praying for him. So pray for him as well. <laughs> Let his millions go into the kingdom. <laughs> okay, so uh, where am I? Um, where's the next picture? What's the next picture, Victoria? Okay, so... Uh, this was uh, a, a significant moment for me. So this moment was, um, by the way, when I got on the platform, I did not have, and I, I didn't really know what we were supposed to be praying into. Um, all I knew was I was supposed to be there and we're supposed to pray. So I asked the guy that was assisting Lou, I was like, you know, what, am I, what slot am I supposed to be doing? And he said, you know, your slot is like the wells of revival. That's your bit. So I was like, oh, wow, that's incredible. Wells of revival, great. Well, little did I know that the bit had been put in was coupled with Bill Johnson, Mike Bickle, Louis, Louis, Louis Cunningham, and all these amazing leaders. So uh, I, I am just blown away. Um, and because... At that time, uh, what's it? The, the program was like an hour and a, a, an hour or so behind. We all didn't get to pray. So Lou prayed, and that's when this picture was taken. But as I meditated on what happened here, I felt like this is a prophetic picture. Because each person on there is a significant leader that's leading a movement. So I, I, I looked at the picture thinking, Lord, how did that happen? How, 
did I end up on a platform with Luengo, Bill Johnson, Mike Bickle, and these guys who were just significant leaders in the nation and leading the movement. And this is what I felt stirring in my heart. When you see me on that platform, it represents our community, listen, and our place on the stage of history in revival. When you see me on that platform right there, it represents our community of prayer storm, okay? And our place in the stage of history of revival. That what we're doing right here is not just something that is not noticed by heaven. Thank God for platforms, but even if the platform was not there, I'm telling you, heaven takes notice of what's going on right now. And many people would be quick to jump on board when you're booking a stadium. But how many people will jump on board when it's just three of you upstairs praying at 1 a.m. in the morning? How many people will jump on board when it's just a little meeting like this on a Thursday, you know, just going once a month? I'm telling you, that picture for me was just, it's not about me, it's about the significance of what this ministry represents. That right there only happened once in the whole 15 hours. Where all those leaders got together like that. And there, there I am, representing the UK and prayer storm. Do you not think that's significant? I think that's significant. And I feel like God's saying, this movement has just the same influence as those people do in the spirit. We might not see manifest yet in the natural, but that is the destiny we're called to. So I'm telling you, so you understand that we're not just here just to eat donuts and have a nice time. We're here to take over. We're here for war. We're here for revival. And what's happening right there is, is God is connecting DNA. And, you know, I think it's my wife that says this every now and again. When you see God place you in certain places and you find yourself interacting with certain people, many times is a picture of the destiny that God has called you to. I am not being big-headed, but I know God has called this ministry's destiny to influence the nation of the United Kingdom, and you know, the nations of the United Kingdom, and the nations. That's why I see when I see that picture. So I shared that on Facebook. It was a significant moment for me, significant moment for this ministry. I'm going to round up in a few moments now. And I just felt like God was trying to encourage us. Um, what matters to you in God? Because right now, many of you are here. You come here most months uh, and maybe weekly for the prayer meetings. What matters to you in God is represented on that platform. That there is a voice. Do you know how many millions of people were watching across the world? I don't know. But I know there was quite a lot of people watching. More than were in that place. Significant. And that's the voice that God has called us to. Um, if you want to go, uh, go to the next picture, please. Oh, yeah, keep going. That's the same thing. So we met some friends. <laughs> That's Tina, if you recognize Tina. Okay, keep going. Oh, yeah, and uh, we went out. This guy on the left here was a guy we met in the hotel. He works for NASA. How cool is that? And he took us out uh, and gave us a ride around Hollywood. <laughs> so that was us there. Do you want to go on to the next bit? Okay, so um, the day, I'm going to round up shortly because I'm aware of the time. The day after, the, day after um, um, the call Azusa, there was a, 
a prayer leaders and prayer ministries meeting that happened in this place, Mott Auditorium, it's called. It was filled with, I don't know, maybe about 1,600 leaders. It was packed out. And um, Becky and I were just talking about how interesting this is because at this gathering with the prayer leaders, they were launching like different prayer initiatives that were going to be happening on the back of Azusa now that were going to be released across the nation. So again, it was a very significant time. But what I love about this is for, for us sometimes in our prayer gatherings in the UK, you see, what they launched here as the prayer initiatives that were going to happen on the back of Azusa now, for most of us in the UK, if we're going to do a stadium gathering, these prayer initiatives that were supposed to be launched after the gathering will be put in the gathering. Are you with me? So what then happens is we don't have much time to pray. Because it's initiative after initiative, and then you just trying to say it's like that's just a brilliant model. Because it, the, the the actual gathering was focused on what it was meant to be focused on, and all of the initiative stuff was the day after. So I just thought that was incredible. And again, all the leaders were there. Mike Bickle named them, Cindy Jacobs, you know, and they're just talking about all these significant prayer uh, things. Do you want to move to the next one? So. Uh, after that gathering, there was another meeting with just a handful of people. We, Becky and I and Matt, got invited to. This meeting was just uh, for the staff and partners who would uh, kind of just help to make Azusa now happen. So there's Lou and there's his wife after the gathering, just saying thank you to everyone. We had a meal together and just shared. And what I love about, okay, I found this really impressive for me and Becky, actually. Uh, Lou went around and just thanked everyone told people to stand up, honor them for all that they've done, immobilizing and helping and all that stuff. And then everyone sat down and everyone started to eat. Okay. So he didn't realize I was in the meeting. Then he came around, he said hi to me and Becky. He said, oh, I didn't realize it. You know, I would have thought at that point he would just probably go, oh, I'm sorry I forgot to mention your name out, you know, and then we just carry on eating. You know what he did? He said, oh, I'm sorry. I he went on the platform, stopped everyone. He says, James and Rebecca, do you want to stand up? He, got, he honored us and he said, you know, these guys have mobilized fasting and prayer in the UK. You know, they're significant. Go everyone to give us a round of applause. We were just blown away. We were just, just so blessed by that. And I think it's just that how of humility and honor again that Rebecca was talking about. The next clip, please. Okay, so now this is a significant picture. So this is right after the gathering. He is like, so after the, the Saturday, the Sunday, He's had like different meetings. This is like eight in the night. He's like worn out. Like you could just tell he's just, in fact, he was saying to me, I think I've, I've gone too far. <laughs> he was like, he was just, anyway. And we had a really significant moment that I just feel like God was um, releasing a stamp of approval of something that's going on here in Manchester. So to round up, I want to play you something here. Um, I'm just going to put this to my iPad. So I'm going to pray you a part of a prophetic word I got in 2008 from a guy called Damon Thompson. Okay, so just listen. I'll put the mic to this in a moment. So this is in the middle of a meeting. He calls me out and starts to prophesy. And burn and burn. James, you're a burning man. And you're going to burn in Manchester. You're going to burn in Manchester. I say to you that you're a burning man. And I mark you today by the authority of the name of Jesus. 
and I declare fire coming from you and fire coming through you. I declare you're going to lead a burning army. I declare there's an anointing on you to start a prayer revolution. I declare there's an anointing on you to start a prayer revolution. I declare there's an anointing on you to lead a prayer army in Europe in Jesus' name. Shut your hands and pray for James, guys. Come on, we pray right now. He's one of us. Bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. And we release the fire of God to burn. James, you and your team, you're the answer to Karen's prayers for Manchester's. You're the fulfillment of God's word that a revival is going to come out of Manchester that is going to shake all of Europe. You're a burning man. You're a burning man. You're a burning man, and I release fresh fire into you in Jesus' name. I release into you dreams and visions in Jesus' name. I release the mantle of Lou Engle onto your life for England in Jesus' name. I release the mantle of Lou England and Lou Engle on your life for England in Jesus' name. Okay, did you hear that? At that point, I did not have any relationship with Lou. So this was 2008. Damon calls me out of a crowd and prophesies, I release the mantle of Lou Engle over your life for England in Jesus' name. Okay, now fast forward to this meeting. Um, Louis on his way out. We're talking about stadiums <laughs> and what just happened and about the UK. His daughter comes, um, Gloria, and she was amazing. She did some prayer on the day. So I was just like, I'd, I'd, I'd never met her before. So I was like, oh, I've never met you before. You know, it was amazing. You praying, leading yesterday and all that. So anyway, we got to meet and that was great. And then Lou turned to, um, to his daughter and uh, I'm rounding up with this story. And uh, he pauses, and he says, oh, this is James. And it's like, he pauses. And I am aware that he's about to say something very significant, you know. And, and he, he turns to her and says, you know what, I, I don't say this very often. I don't say this lightly. And she was like, you know, listening. I'm listening what he's about to say. And this is what, this is what comes out of his mouth. He is the Luingo for England. Now, do you hear what I just said? I just played you a prophetic word. 2008, a guy prophesied. Lou is not in that meeting. He says, I released the man. And when he said the mantle of Lou, I'm not worshiping Lou. Lou is not my God. It's just the fact that what he's carried from America is what's been identified in the spirit. And he's saying, you are going to carry that for the UK. Now, someone prophesied that in a meeting in 2008. Now, 2016, I am stood before Lou. He turns to his daughter and says, he is carrying the mantle of, he's carrying the same mantle I'm carrying for the UK. In that moment, I could feel the weight of what was just said. And I could feel the fact that just like God was moving in America, and this is where I'm coming to, okay? Now, I know I've prayed the prophetic word that was given to me, but because you're here, it's not about me, it's about you. <laughs> Because you've connected yourself to this storyline. So it's not me. It's not about James. It's about what God wants to do with prayer in the UK. And really, I'm not bothered about my name. God knows that. My name could be thrown away. As far as this nation is revived in prayer, I know that's God's agenda. So when he said that, I was aware of the fact that we're onto something very significant here. Because the Lord is affirming the fact that this ministry of prayer storm is not just about Manchester. It's not just about Greater Manchester. It's not just about England. In fact, it's about the United Kingdom and nations. And I'm here to say to you, these are the days of small beginnings. 
where we as the people of God need to be faithful in prayer. Can I get the band up? We're going to round up now. Today, as I was just meditating on some of these things, I come back, my wife and I, we come back from Azusa now with a great sense of confidence in God, a great sense of expectancy of what God wants to do through us and what God wants to do through you and what God wants to do through the prayer movement in the United Kingdom. See, it's easy for us to look at the disciples and go, wow, what would it have been like to be there when Jesus was raising the dead and healing the sick? Do you realize there were people there that did not even realize the significance of that moment and just took that moment for granted? Right now, today, many of us are taking many moments for granted because we don't realize the significance of the moments. Just like those people took those moments for granted, we are taking these moments for granted because God is aligning us for a great move of His Spirit in the United Kingdom. Could it be, not that could it be, I know it, that we are on the pathway to see the greatest prayer revolution the United Kingdom has ever seen? And you are part of that story. And in the years to come, people would write about you and about those who gave themselves to believe that nation can turn back to God. Let it be said in the future that the great generation came forth from Manchester that overthrew the altars of immorality, that overthrew the altars of perversion in the land and brought forth the greatest awakening in the history of Great Britain. Let it be said in the future but that's not going to happen if we don't say yes right now. So when I go to meetings like Azusa now, I am excited about the presence of God. I'm excited about the sick being healed, amazing prophetic words, amazing things happening. But I always come out of these meetings thinking to myself, what would happen if we judge how great a meeting is? Not by the presence of God we feel in the meeting, but by the desire for the presence of God we feel when the meeting is over. Did you hear me? So Azusa now is gone. But right now, we're in the UK. And we have got a massive battle on our hands. We've got a huge responsibility on our hands. It might just be a few of us in this room right now, but heaven is looking at us. If not us, who? If not now, when? Who else is heaven going to call on in this time? He's looking at you and he's looking at me. That's why our yes to God right now is significant. That's why our meet to fast and pray is significant. We are shifting things in the heavens. And I'm telling you, sooner than we think, we're going to see stadiums filled. Just like we watched Azusa now on TV and everyone is like, wow, wouldn't it be amazing to be there? The days are coming ahead of us when we're going to see Wembley filled, when we're going to see United filled, when we're going to see all the stadiums in the nation filled, not for the purpose of having a gathering, but for the purpose of being a catalyst for prayer revolution. That's what we're after. And these meetings are building up to a significant moment. Do you understand with me right now? And the Lord is saying to us, we should not despise the signs and the days of small beginnings and we should not despise what is going on around us right now. See, I love a saying when someone said, you know, I want to live my life like there's an epic movie soundtrack playing behind me everywhere I go. I want to live my life like there's such epicness about me that every move I make, there's such significance to it. It's not just empty. It's not just wasted. And right now, I want to invite you to connect with this storyline of revival for the United Kingdom. If these words are true, then that tells me 
what we're doing is more significant than we realize. There will be no revival in the United Kingdom until God will find people like you and me to give ourselves to fasting, to prayer, to seeking His face, preparing the way for what He wants to do. So what I want us to do to finish this meeting right now, we started in a place of saying, Lord, make me a house of prayer. But right now, I want us to shift into a place of praying for the body of Christ. And saying, Father, what you want to do, we are the body of Christ, but we're not just going to pray for ourselves. We're praying for the church at large. Would you awaken in us the spirit of prayer and intercession that prepares the way for what you want to do in the United Kingdom, in the spirit? We don't want to be left behind. We don't want to be the dark continent. In fact, Lord, we reverse that decree that's been spoken over Europe, that this is the dark continent. We're declaring that this will be a continent of light and life. And the United Kingdom will lead the way in bringing light and fire to all of Europe. Right now, just pray with me for awakening. Awakening starts with you and it starts with me. Say, Lord, release a fresh fire over us, the body of Christ, that we will not be dull-hearted. We will not be complacent. Start right now with me and start right now with us. Awakening, awakening, revival. Revival in the United Kingdom. I remember the prophecy of Smith Wigglesworth of 1947. That a great move of God was going to come to the church in the United Kingdom that would impact the nations. Father, we're stepping into the 70th year of this prophecy. And Father, I am reminded of Daniel, how Daniel fought with that prophetic word that Jeremiah released. And it was the 70th year of that prophetic word. And as we step into the 70th year of Smith Wigglesworth's prophecy over the United Kingdom, we say, Lord, let it be here. Let it be us and let it be now. The day of revival, the day of awakening. Come on, come on, pray with me right now.